I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, 1 through 10. There are Bibles up underneath the seats if you want to uh, grab one of those and, and read along with us as well. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, Matthew's account of the resurrection of Jesus. And this is the very Word of God. Now, after the Sabbath... Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning And his clothes were white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come and see the place where they laid him. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and joy mixed, and they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet And they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Have you ever been so down and depressed that you just felt like your, your life was just flattened? Have you ever felt like your life is, is kind of cratered and, and heavy? Well, can you imagine how Jesus' disciples felt three days after the crucifixion? You, can you see how shell-shocked they are? Can you see how, how confused they are after three years of miracles and signs and and word and power and glory? Can you see how scared they are after the arrests and, and all that's going on and, and how depressed they are? Can you see that they are defeated and they just want to go home? Peter just wants to go back to Galilee and he just wants to get in his old boat and he wants to go fishing again like he used to. And try not to think about what's happened. You know, human hope can be fragile. And our lives can get flattened. And our lives can crater. And I tell you, these disciples, their hope died on a Roman cross. Their hope right as we come into this text, was buried in, in, a, in a tomb, in a, in a garden tomb. And, and by Sunday morning, they're as low as you can go. Until 
the women. Until the women. Isn't it interesting that it is the women who do not flee and run for the corners when Jesus is arrested, who who do not stay away when Jesus is crucified? No, it is the women at Jesus' feet and the, the, his disciples, uh, except for John, are, are, are not there. It is the women who were there at the tomb when it was sealed by the Romans because there was an understanding and there, there was a, a sense that even the Jewish authorities had heard that he, Jesus, had prophesied that he would be put to death and he would be raised in three days. And it was the women who were there. And saw the tomb, not only closed, closed, but sealed and a Roman guard uh, posted outside the tomb. And it is now the women who very early, doesn't say how early, but it's very early, that right now in this text, those women who are just as hurt, just as down, they're heading toward the tomb. And Matthew says that they're going to see the tomb. Mark records that as they're going to the tomb, they're, they're asking each other this question. They're talking about who's going to roll away the stone so that we can get into the tomb. Do you know what the answer is? The answer is nobody. Because the Romans have sealed the stone. But they are going to the tomb because they love Jesus. They are going to the tomb because even though they are depressed, they have gotten up and they have spices in their hands. And if they gain access to the body of Jesus, they're going to embalm the body of Jesus. We, we know this, that the women do not believe Jesus is anything but dead because they are carrying embalming spices to the tomb. And then, just as they round a certain corner, there's a trembling of the earth. And there's noise. And power, something powerful is happening. And and, and just as they come around the corner to where the tomb is, and some people say they went to the wrong tomb, that's why it was empty. Right. No, they saw, remember, they were there when the tomb was sealed. No, they came around to the right tomb. And and what they saw was the reason the earth was shaking, that an angel of the Lord had come from heaven. And we read in the text that, that just the power and glory of God had come down and had shaken the earth to remove the, the, the stone from the, the front of this grave. And the angel is sitting on top of the stone. The angel is terrifying. The very power and glory of heaven itself is represented in the angel. You know, let there be light, and it was. (laughs) You know, the power of God. This is the power that has come down from heaven in this angel. Verse 3, his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. Lightning is immediate power, right? When you think of lightning, that's what it is. Immediate power and white means utterly pure. So we've got power and glory from heaven. And because of the total surprise and shock and awe of the Roman soldiers 
and the total domination of this heavenly being over the situation and the ground is shaking and the rocks are breaking and the stone is, quote, rolled, maybe wrenched out. Most people think it's not on the track anymore. In fact, Joseph of Arimathea, who gave Jesus use of his family tomb, and there were other tombs, you know, ready to be used like a family plot, Joseph Arimathea, if he was ever going to use that tomb for his family, had some serious repair to do because an angel from God appeared and the the earth shook and the stone was rolled away and the Romans were terrified and they were so terrified that they just fainted away. Now, we don't know exactly, the text doesn't like say at, 4.25 a.m. this happened and at 6.20, you know, we don't know exactly when this happened, but just the way I told you, uh, maybe it had happened a little bit before. We don't know. It doesn't matter. What we do know is that guards are laying on the ground. I'm talking about Roman guards and they look like they're dead. I mean, these are just, these two women just are taking all this in, you know, and, and, and the stone has just been wrenched away. And there is this terrifying angel sitting on top of the stone. And the angel sees that the women are feel, filled with terror just like the guards were. And they don't have as much to fear as the Roman guards did. Because the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Verse 5, do not be afraid because I know that you are here seeking Jesus, the crucified one. He's not here. He's risen. And then she, then the, the angel says, come and see the place where they laid him. And they go over and they see that the tomb is empty. The rock has been wrenched away. And then the angel says, go quickly now and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And if you go there, you can see him too. You can see him. And then he says, see, I have told you. And I love that little see, I've told you. And here's the reason why. This is what angels live for, literally, is to glorify God and to accomplish his will. Angels are always on a mission from God. And so the mission was to come down, tear up the rocks, uh, open the tomb, and sit on top. He's just sitting on top of the, the stone waiting on uh, the women to come. And then he, this is the first these are the first people who hear the news that Jesus is, is risen and the whole Christian movement that we are still a part of and, and the Holy Spirit and the gospel and freedom and grace that is still going forward today. It all started, so to speak, right there with the angel telling these women and he says, there, I've told you, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Now, please understand the tomb didn't need to be opened by the angel for Jesus to get out. Jesus was already out of the tomb. Remember, Jesus can, in his resurrected form, can go through walls. He can appear in rooms. So why, why all this drama of earthquakes and shaking and rocks being torn and, and, and stone being wrenched away? The removal of the stone is not for Jesus to get out. The removal of the stone is so that we can see that Jesus is out. That, that the women, it, the angel didn't say, trust me, behind that, that sealed tomb, there's no Jesus in there. No, it's just shattered 
broken, wrenched. Come and see where he used to be. People who are alive don't need to be in tombs. And Jesus is not in this tomb. Now, our faith is not just in the fact that the tomb was discovered empty. There could be lots of reasons for an empty tomb. In fact, there were all these theories being spun out even in the New Testament. Oh, they came and they stole the body. Yeah, like, right, like they went through an entire guard of armed Romans to steal the body. That wasn't going to happen. Remember the disciples who were so scared they ran? I'm sure they came and overpowered the Romans. No, the, the, the tomb being empty is not where our, our proof is, so to speak. No, what's so amazing is, is as you read the New Testament, what you see is that Christ appears to the women. Christ appears to the twelve. Christ appears to those on the road to Emmaus. Christ appears to this person, that person. Christ appears to more than 500 people. This isn't some religion of sayings this isn't some rarefied spirituality that has little to do with with who we are as human beings this happened jesus became one of us he came into the world for our salvation and and jesus was raised from the dead after he was crucified and he appeared to all these people. In fact, in the New Testament, it's kind of funny. You know, they'll say, basically they'll say, hey, if you don't believe me, there's like 500 people you can go talk to. And Rufus is one of them, the son of the, the Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross. Go ask Rufus. He'll tell you. Amazingly credible uh, of history of something that happened. But it starts with an angel inviting them to see the empty tomb. And to this day, I invite you through the scriptures, come and see the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And they take in these words. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. And immediately, this deep depression, this cratered feeling about life, immediately it turns to pure joy. I mean, you can't get any further apart than dead for three days and risen. What they came expecting was not what they saw. You know, this week, something happened in my life that probably in 30 years of pastoring, it's the greatest difference between what I was expecting and what, what I saw. One of our church members, Lacey Madden, sitting here with her family. Are you sure you're supposed to be here? Had brain sur- major brain surgery Wednesday. I'll pray for Lacey. She can make it through the service. Two hours after the surgery, and I know many of you have been praying for her. And two hours after the surgery, I get this text from Nate. And he says, Lacey's out of surgery and she's receiving visitors. And I'm thinking, that's a, that's a misprint. <laughs> so so Pastor Mercer and I go to the hospital and we're washing up and, and Elder Hat Farber just kind of appears behind us. He was in some room and uh, he didn't come through the door that we came through. We're like, hello, how'd you get here? And uh, we went into Lacey's room. She was sitting up and with all of her hair as she has right now. And uh, hey, Joseph, hey, Brad, hey, Hap, what are you, how you doing? We go across, I, I mean, I, we we are shocked. I mean, maybe I've seen one too many movies about brain surgery or something. I don't know. You know, I was expecting bandages and shaving. I was just, you know, like, I don't know, leg raised on a thing. I didn't know what I was expecting. But she's sitting up. She's talking with her hands the way she always does. 
And I kid you not, we were laughing and crying at the same time. I don't mean boohoo crying. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't stop laughing and crying. I, I, this, that is unbelievable. And by the way, there are great hurdles ahead of Lacey and we want to continue to pray. But think about the disciples. I mean, you think that is a far distance between what you thought and what you saw. What about dead three days and risen? And it says they were mixed, feeling fear, the awe, you know, of God and joy. You know, they're kind of crying and they're kind of laughing. But their hearts are just stirred. And that's what the resurrection does, y'all. It reverses the failing of hope because Christ has raised. If we know him, there is new life. There is new life that is always there. There is new life that's been given outside of ourselves by the one who is the very Son of God who has brought us to himself. You understand it's going to be all right if you know Jesus because he's risen. And he's alive and he reigns to give salvation to people who ask for it and put their trust in him. And there is a joy that comes from death to life, and there is a joy that comes from turning from myself to turning to this new life given in Jesus. And even if you know Christ this morning, just turning back to that new life. So Easter is about the joy of resurrection. Secondly, Easter is about the joy of relationship. It says that they were filled with fear and joy, and did you notice this? They ran I mean, these aren't, weren't like women who are practicing for a 10K or something. These are just like ordinary women. And, uh, man, they just pulled up their skirts. They were running to tell the disciples. Most people think about a half mile. They were running, and, and they were carrying the news that would change the rest of human history. They were the first human beings who could say with their mouths, He's not dead. He's risen, just as He said. And he said it twice in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 16 and Matthew 19, he predicted the whole thing of his death and resurrection. He even predicts and says, I'll be in Galilee when it's all said and done. But they couldn't take that in. And they still didn't know. So they, these women are, are running. And they've got the, the most powerful news ever uttered by a human being that's going to change the rest of the world. Now, don't you love it when you know something good something happy, something wonderful, and you get to go tell the person that it's going to be so happy to. Don't you love that? I mean, that doesn't happen terribly often in light that, that you know something they don't know and you get to be the person that goes and tells them and, you know, they, they can shout or jump or squeal or whatever they do when they hear this news. Well, let me tell you, this, this is so far beyond, I saw your grade and you got an A. This is saying that we will never be the same. And the world will never be the same. Guys, disciples, he's not dead. He's risen. Just as he said he would. And they ran. And just when it didn't get any, couldn't get any better, it got better. Christ, the risen Christ, appeared to them as they left the tomb. Verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb. With fear and joy mixed. And they ran to tell the disciples. And behold. Jesus met them and said greetings. 
Um, one translator calls, says, good morning. And then you can also translate that word rejoice. All of those make sense, don't they? Good morning, greetings, hello, rejoice. And it says that they fell down before him and they, they took hold of his feet. They, they grabbed a hold of him. They worshipped him and they grabbed a hold of his feet. They weren't let go of him. He was back. You know, when Mary Magdalene sees Christ, remember she falls at his feet, she holds it, and she's not letting go. And Jesus says, you got to let go. i got places to go and things to do and tell them to meet me in Galilee, you know. And so this is, this is incredible. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And they hold on to the feet of Jesus. I mean, this is so different from the way people encountered God in the Old Testament. You know, you encounter God in the Old Testament, you know, and the mountain is shaking, you know, and Moses goes up in the thick darkness where God is. I mean, you read the Old Testament, everything's kind of breaking loose. There's like earthquakes all the time when God meets with people. And a great example of that is in Exodus 24. That God wanted to show himself to the elders of Israel. Basically God says, I'm only going to show you my feet. And you know why? Because basically you can't look at me. You can't see all my glory. You'll die. If you see all my glory, and and then everything starts shaking, and and there's earthquake, and and just the the feet of God, and it is terrifying. And then again, Moses goes up into that. You know, you just gotta if you if you saw Moses go up into the shaking, quaking mountain with the with the darkness, the the cloud. I mean, that's like man, that's my guy right there who will go up in that. While the, while the ground is shaking. No, in the presence of the Son of God, the earthquakes already happened. There was one that happened when Jesus died. There was one that happened when the stone was rolled away. But now in the very presence of God, there's no earthquake. There's no, there's no voice from heaven. They hold on to his feet. Because what Jesus is giving them isn't a voice from heaven. He is giving them himself to love them. There is unbelievable intimacy in this worship of these women clutching the feet of Jesus. I love what Tim Keller says. He says it's because of what Jesus Christ did that now these women can grab his feet They can touch his feet. You can know him. And that's the point of the resurrection. Hey, human hope is frail. Life gets cratered. We get it. We need the risen Christ. We need the joy of new life that never goes away and the assurance that he will always be there as God himself who loves us. And we need to know that we know him, that we are his this relationship. So Easter is about the, the joy of resurrection. And it's about the joy of relationship. But finally, Easter is about the joy of a new future. Do you ever have times when you wonder about your life? 
what it means, where you are in some respect, where, where your life ought to be going, why it hadn't gone where you thought it would go, where's it going to go. I mean, I think all of us kind of have these, these ponderings and these musings about different aspects of our lives. See, the resurrection not only gives relationship and joy now, Resurrection gives us the joy of a new future. And I love this verse. And I don't know if you ever really, a lot of times we kind of just leave this verse off. Verse 10, we just kind of leave it off. Verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and I'll meet them when they get there. Well, may I point out that it's pretty remarkable that Jesus, the risen Christ, called them his brothers. After all, these are the people that abandoned him, right? Oh, I'm willing to go both to prison and to death for you, Jesus. No, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny that you have ever even known me three times. Just scattering, fearful, protecting self. And he says in verse 10, don't be afraid to the women. Go and tell my brothers. You know, the gospel of Mark adds a little bit to this you know all the gospels have different things they're communicating and so there's different angles on it the gospel of mark adds peter jesus says go and tell my brothers and peter isn't that wonderful can you can you finally can you see when the women tell the disciples they said hey he said to go and tell my brothers he called us brothers and not enemies and peter especially you and peter is saying you know what If this is true, it's going to be all right for me. But it's ahead. We we got to go to Galilee. God's calling us up there from here for what is next. For what is next. I'll meet you in Galilee. Back where they met him, most of them. Back where he heard their teaching for the first time. Back where the, the miracles begin to happen and, and, and the crowds and, and the signs and all these things. Back really where they were trained to be his apostles. And he says, meet me in Galilee. And you know what's next, right? What's next? If It's in Matthew 28, the same chapter. Their future is next. It's called the Great Commission. And we read in Matthew twenty-eight sixteen, And sometimes we don't, when we quote the Great Commission, we don't include this verse. You kind of need to read more scripture. Have you noticed that? Matthew twenty-eight sixteen. Then the eleven disciples, Judas being dead, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them. And they worshipped him there. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, the risen Christ. Now go and make disciples of all the nations. And, and, and the great commission, it's not just that Jesus isn't sore at them. It's that every promise that Christ has ever made did not die on a cross. Was not buried in a garden tomb. Did not stay in the grave. It's all true. This loving relationship was, is true. All the hope, all the power they had seen is now multiplied in the risen Christ. 
and they have a future if they go to Galilee. Jesus is always ahead of us, if you will. We don't, Jesus doesn't ever follow us. Jesus is ahead of us. He loves us, and we are followers of Christ. And Jesus has good things for us. And he has hard things that are good things for us. But it's always a future. You see, the good news of Easter is that the joy isn't just knowing that Jesus is raised. Oh yeah, he's not there. He's risen. But it's also that he's gone ahead into Galilee. And what's so great about this is that Jesus doesn't just give us a new life. He gives us a future. He's creating a pathway. You wonder about your life? What is, what is my life? What does it mean? Where does it go? How, why is it not going? Don't worry about it. I, I'm, I mean, at one level. I mean, I know you've got to worry about your life. Take responsibility for it. I don't mean that. But, but on a functional level, don't worry about it. He is creating a pathway. He is giving us purpose. Jesus is always meeting us at a forward rendezvous point of faith and purpose. And with the resurrection and with Jesus, it is always forward. And all of our lives are always ahead of us. And there is always more. And it is always for God's glory. It is always good, even though it might be hard. And because he lives, therefore, there is always hope. And it is sturdy, as sturdy as Jesus himself leading my future and your future if you've put your trust in him. So, all this to say, yes, our lives feel flattened sometime. And they feel listless sometime. And they feel this, that, and the other sometime. And human hope by itself can be very fragile. And just when you thought everything was lining up in your life, it is not. And it's a fallen world and it never will more than five minutes. And you can't make it stay. And you can't make it what you want it to be. Because you're not God. And you're just alone for this ride on this earth. Just like the rest of us. But we can know God. And we can be along for a ride that is grace and love and purpose. Easter brings the joy of resurrection and new life. Easter brings the joy of relationship with Jesus. Not an earthquake, not the fear, but the joy that is always sure. And Easter brings the joy of a new future with Christ. So I say to you with the writer of the gospel, come and see. Come and see the place where they laid him. The king is not dead. The king is back. Look again. The king has returned. And Jesus Christ is risen and reigning. And we can have him and all of that by putting our faith, our trust, in what he has done for us on the cross to defeat sin before a holy God and in the empty tomb to defeat death and for us to gain new life. Okay, so before we sing crown him with many crowns, let's go ahead and stand. Let's do one more he has risen, all right? Like This is like bring the house down, he has risen indeed, all right? Y'all ready? Okay. He is risen.
Oh God, thank you that you are victorious. Thank you that you could not simply die and be done with salvation to never reach us and a future that you have for us and for your church and for this world of truth and grace and hope to be able to reach us. Jesus, we worship you, the Father and the Spirit today, as you are the reigning and risen Christ. We place our lives in your hands again. We, we, whether we have yet to know you, and so often even as we know you, we try to take control, we try to shape it, and we want to keep it the way we want to, and we're just not good at it. And we're so frustrated and we're so fearful. Would you take us back to the cross? Would you take us back to the empty tomb? And if you've never put your trust in what Christ has done, just pray with me. Lord, I see it. I can't make myself good enough. That's why you took my sin upon yourself on the cross. And you died in my place so that I could have my sin moved away before a holy God and come into relationship with you. I I turn from everything that I've called Christianity. I turn from everything that I have called religion and put my trust, Jesus, in what you've done on the cross for me and also you have risen from the dead and even now you have given me everlasting life and life with you now and a future of love and grace and ministry and purpose lord many of us have walked with you and we find ourselves flattened we find ourselves cratered we find ourselves in different places where we are musing over our lives because they are important Would you take us back to the empty tomb? Would you bring us back to the hope that he has risen actually means, both now and for our future? And Lord, would you grow us? Would you help us learn how to love like you? Would you help us to learn how to walk in your truth? And would you help us to meet you at that forward place always so that this love and grace can come through us to other people. And thank you, Lord, that one day we will be in heaven with you. Thank you that our future is always ahead. And we pray all of these things with great joy in the name of the risen Christ Jesus. Amen.